We are going to continue in our series, and, and if you've missed some of this, you can always go uh, to the church's webpage, go to YouTube, you can go back and you can follow up, you can catch up. Um, and we've been uh, doing a series on spiritual horticulture, but it was all tied and connected to creating a better future. See, if we want to create a better future, there are things that we have to do today, right now, um, so many times, we're, we're, if we're not careful, we're living life and we're, we're hoping that somehow down the road we'll have a better future. But the reality is, um, you know, the, the Bible teaches this principle from seed time and harvest time. But the reality is, is that the things that we do today, the choices that we make today, they, they impact our tomorrow. And uh, so, so with that, uh, we've, we've gone through... Primarily out of Mark's gospel, um, you know, chapter, chapter 4, and, um, and breaking that down of, of the, the parable of the sower. And it's really much, much more than that. But, um, but from that, we, we see a, a real good picture of, of Jesus, I believe, teaching in terms of principle and principles. Um, you'll find this throughout the Word of God. There's different times when uh, theologically, when you start tracking through, you begin to, to, to realize that, that there are passages of Scripture that may have been written more from, for a specific moment, for a specific situation, but they are transferable into other areas of life. They are, they are truth-based or principle-based, and, and they relate over. Um, you know, one of the, one of the strange ones that that I, I've you know observed and looked at is First Corinthians chapter nine. Paul starts going through this whole you know uh, passage or or uh, discourse of for ministers to be able to actually um, draw wages, if you will, from the giving. I got quiet in here, <laughs> and and uh, and and. And I get the lower parts, you know, when he says that, you know, he refers to the priest at the temple, you know, being able to partake of the sacrifices when he talks about, you know, that he said it's not a strange thing that if I sow spiritual things to you that I'm able to re reap material things. But he, right before that, he talks about, he says now. He goes back to an Old Testament scripture talking about thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, the grain. And if you go back and you read that, it ain't got nothing to do with supporting no ministry or no preacher. <laughs> and yet Paul reaches back into the Old Covenant, the Old Testament Scripture, and brings it over and uses that to bring confirmation for them to be able to actually reap material blessings or finances to be able to go do ministry. And, uh, and so... But you'll see those kind of things from time to time show up. This one, I believe, has this parable of the sower has that level of, of transcending across certain areas. It's not just talking about the Word of God, which primarily that's, that's again, what you're going to see in this passage. But if you think about seed time and harvest time in horticulture, it, it goes across a lot of areas of our lives. And so... Paul, I mean, matter of fact, Jesus says, and we're going to read this, 
If you don't get this, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of the rest. That's how important this one is. Let's look at this here in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 13. He says, uh, and he said to them, do you not understand? Uh, man, I tell you, it's, we can get out of, uh, out of practice or out of, out of shape. <laughs> you know, COVID, we, we got to recover, right? Anyway, he says, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. They hear, and Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. I'm going I'm to kind of break this one down as we go. So this right here, we can see that the Word of God is what he's specifically talking about here. But remember, he said, this thing, if you don't get this parable, you won't understand the rest. This is how this thing transcends. But let's just think about it in these terms. He focuses, and today's message is, about the soil. Now, we talked about the sower. We talked about the seed. Today, we're going to talk about the soil. And basically, what Jesus does is he breaks this down into four different areas of the soil or the condition of man's heart. So we have the condition of man's heart. There, it is cardia in the, in the Greek, heart is. Now, a lot of times you'll see an English word heart translated from the Greek suke, but that word really is reserved to the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Heart is from a Greek word, cardia. Again, that makes sense, right? Cardiac and cardia. And this is the, the, the center of one's being. This is the core of who you are. This is the seat of, of the, the, the both soul and spirit of man within. That's the heart. It touches both sides of this when you, when you go through. And, um, and so... The focus this morning and from this passage you'll see is what condition is our heart. And this may surprise you. And so the first one there that, he, that we read and he talked about is, the, is if, it's, if that seed is sown by the wayside on, on either compact or hardened ground, then it's, it's, it's laying there um, subject to allowing Satan to come and steal it. And I can promise you this, if, if you are uh, starting in this journey as a young Christian, you, you need to really be aware of this. Hopefully, those of you that have been on this journey for a while, you understand that Satan does want to come immediately. He knows that it's, it's a whole lot easier to snatch a seed than to pull up a tree. Once you've been established in the walk with God and you've, you've put down some roots in this, and you're, he knows that's going to be a harder battle, so why not come immediately when a truth is given to take it? Now, it can be unproductive. I call this the petrified heart. Why? Because I believe it was, it's alive. Every heart organically has the ability to produce unless it begins to be hardened. And we find that Jesus addressed a lot 
with people that he was trying to communicate to that were not understanding, not believing, and he said, you've got dullness of hearing or hardness of heart. One of the other things that, that, I, that I've, I've found, though, that sometimes, in the Old Testament covers it, it says you've got to break up the fallow ground. Why? Because soil down below a certain level, and if you want to get into great in-depth study and teaching on soil, just go visit Tommy Olive. He can talk for hours about soil. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, but, but in one of these, this, this story, you know, we, we were, you know, I grew up in my dad's construction company, and, and at different times, you do different things to re-innovate and reinvent yourself. And we had certain line of business and stuff that we typically always did, but there was a few seasons that would come. We're going to talk about seasons next week online. And, 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 and they would come around to where sometimes if, if that dried up, we would reinvent ourselves and we'd find another way to, to actually put our equipment to work and make money. And we had, we had some acreage, and so, and my brother still does this, he, he sells topsoil. But what we learned is it, it was much more productive to plow and skim off the top of the land and keep that happening a layer at a time. Tommy, am I not? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm on to something. You got you to hear this. There's a truth here that, that, that uh, Tommy, will, Tommy will verify because there is a need for exposure. There's a need for exposure of soil, of one's heart to sun and rain to the elements. You need the rain grabbing that nitrogen as it's coming down and hit that soil and, and penetrate. And what we, were, what we did at one time, we would just dig down deep and take this topsoil and load it in a truck, deliver it, and then we had people calling saying it won't grow anything. It's like, it's dirt. It has to grow. Well, eventually it would, but what would happen is the soil that's deep hasn't been exposed, and it actually goes dormant. And it needs to be brought to the surface and brought to the light and sun, sunshine and, and rain and, and to be able to activate it. Isn't that awesome? Every one of our, the soil of our heart, we need some sunshine. <laughs> we need some rain of his presence. You got you to get this. But because here's the reality. Any one of us can fall prey to dullness or hardness of heart. What happens? Look at Mark 16. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He told them everything he was going to go through. He shows up in verse 14. Look what he says. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief. This is his disciples. They've been with him for years. And hardness of heart because they did not believe those things who had seen him after he had risen. So in other words, there was some, some of the, the, the other disciples that had witnessed and seen the Lord. They show up, they're telling others, man, he's alive! And they were like, no, you're, you, you, you're seeing a ghost. You're not, that's, that's not right. I mean, we watched him. He was crucified. They buried him. Hardness of heart is connected to unbelief. And these are his followers. 
These aren't like the heathen or the religious folks that had unbelieving heart. They, these had been with Jesus hearing the truth. And yet somehow, even though they heard the truth, knew the truth, and yet they still found themselves in a place doubting, in a place of unbelief. of just not going to accept that. Wow. Dangerous place. Number, number two, I've got to move on. Ah. Hey, I hadn't, I, we hadn't got to do this in a while. Can we just go a little longer? Woo, yeah, okay. Sound like the majority to me. The second one is a passive heart. Is a passive heart. Look, look at this. It, it, um, verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, notice that, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation, come on, problems, that's tribulation. <laughs> oh, come on, how many of you know we've been doing some tribulating? Or persecutions. Not everybody's going to like you. You might as well get over that. Or persecution. Get on social media and just speak your mind. You'll find out. <laughs> Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to like what you say. So he says, afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Not for being a jerk. But for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Wow. This is a passive heart. This, this person demonstrates a lifestyle of Christianity by weakness. Why? Because if you're going to be a man pleaser and you're going to somehow live your life trying to just avoid certain things that might show up in your life or certain things that people might criticize you about, that is weakness. And that's tough. I, I, I don't know about you, but it's not, it's not fun to be persecuted and somehow rejoice in it. Right? Something wrong with you if, that, if you're like, Woo, I can't wait to get persecuted today. No, the, 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 the whole part of the human part of us, you know, we want to be liked, we want to be loved, we want to be accepted, we want affirmation, we want, and yet the reality is concerning the Word of God, we should hold true to the Word of God come hell or high water. Whether it flips someone's lid and ticks some individual that are an opposite belief from the word off <laughs> trying to be nice <laughs> see see love is not somehow the avoidance of truth or telling or speaking the truth if i really love you there comes a place where i'm going to say what needs to be said based upon a biblical worldview and what the bible says And if you have problems with that, you got problems with God. Well, we're New Testament Christians, and, 
He just loves us in spite of us. Now, he's always loved us in spite of us. But he's always loved us enough that he'll correct us. And he loves us enough that he does have expectations. He loves us enough that there is accountability. Come on. I mean, the reality is we love our kids, but how many, how many have certain expectations with them? Come on. Right? How many have certain, certain you know, accountability, cause and effect? You have a reward system. It's okay to reward behavior that you want repeated. Need to hear that. Well, that's performance-oriented love. No, it's not. God loves us, period. But does he want us? Does he, does he somehow have a purpose for our lives and his expectation is there that we fulfill that and that we, we measure those things, yes. That, that, we can go to Scripture, New Testament, even about the measure. At the judgment seat of Christ, when we stand before Him and we get, we, He's passing out rewards. Some's going to get wood, hay, or stubble, and others are going to get silver, gold, and precious stone. That's just the truth. I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I, heaven's great. I mean, it's great that we're all going to, you know, those who are Christ followers are going to get in on that. But I want to live my life with a sense of purpose and fulfillment of his divine plan for my life so that when I do stand before him, it's more than just wood, hay, or stubble. <laughs> all right. Ooh, man. Okay, get this. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear, look at this, will not fear when heat comes. Some of you need to put this scripture into your heart. Memorize it. You're not going to fear when, he, when trouble comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought. Will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Number three, poverty heart. Look at this. So, so stony grounds there, I believe you can get rid of stones, you can plant some good soil. Poverty heart. There we see where... Uh, back up in our, in our passage there. Now the ones sown among the thorns, they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown... Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Weeds, the cares of this life, worries, they'll choke the word. Sometimes our desire for the wrong things or things that we may have need of. But you've got to stay connected to the source and to what God wants for our lives. And you've got to stay connected to that and not get moved off of that. Remember Luke chapter 4, how was Jesus tempted? Satan shows up, comes to him, and is offering to actually give him certain things, right? Turn this stone to bread. 
You know what? If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. You see what he was doing? And yet Jesus stayed focused on, I'm going to serve the Lord God and him only. The, 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 the cares of this life and the kinds of things that... And listen, there's nothing wrong. And you, if, you know, if you know me, been around me very long, I believe God wants us blessed. I believe he wants us to have our needs met and have enough left over to be a blessing to someone else. Blessed to be a blessing. Well, that's prosperity gospel. Well, just go ahead and criticize me. Yeah, yeah I'm a TV preacher anyway. <laughs> well, on television. You know, every time I go to actually maybe... Uh, not do that any longer here in San Angelo because that's, that's been our whole heart is about San Angelo. It is remarkable time and time again when we evaluate that and we're considering that and praying about it, the amount of testimonies that start rolling in. And yes, a lot of it is from an older generation that watches that program locally in our retirement centers, nursing homes, uh, shut-ins, and, and, they, and I'm just, Amen. Blessed to be a blessing. I had a great, great friend in ministry, Jack Wallace, pastor of Detroit World Outreach, great man of God. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. But, uh, I mean, they did so, so many things to the, to the, for the city of Detroit. And um, I went to the funeral. They had me speak, actually, at his funeral. And, and when we were there at the funeral, um, they, they had his casket, you know, there at the, at the church. And... and it, the city turned out. For days, they had been going past that casket. You'd, you'd have thought a, a, a king had died. And I, uh, it's just remarkable. And it wasn't until after he had passed that you really got to hear of everything that they had accomplished, ministry-wise, and the amount of impact that they had had, not only in Detroit, but around the world. It's remarkable. Now, Jack was just an old country guy. And uh, we fished together and hunted together and had a great time, you know, at, in, in uh, ministry as well. And, and, uh, but Jack, he, he, just, he was as comfortable with anything, driving his old pickup truck. You know, they had a beautiful home and everything. He still mowed his own grass, you know. I mean, it, it's just, he was just that kind of guy. But he had some collectibles and some, some really nice other toys. And uh, he loved Harleys. <laughs> so he, was, he, he, he loved biking in that kind of way and uh but one of the other things he had some kind of collectible super fancy mercedes that somebody had given him i remember he was up there he he reached from the poorest of the poor to the wealthiest of the wealthy and uh and he had some of those those uh vps from chrysler and gm and all the motor city you know guys that were were in his church and they had given him this car and every morning, he, he went to the Ritz-Carlton and would eat breakfast. It's like, well, that's outlandish. That's extravagant. That's, you know. And, and he told me one day, he said, he said, you know why I do that, right? And I'm like, no. I mean, it feels good, though. I mean, if you ever walked in a bathroom of the Ritz-Carlton, it was like big as my house. You know, it's like, man, you know. And, uh, and he, he, he said, God has a heart to reach the up and outer as much as the down and outer. And he said, this is part of my assignment. 
And God has given me tools and resources, and I'm just bold enough that I'll talk to, I'll talk to him about Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't to just lavish that stuff on his own life. It was a tool. God wants us to that, that And that takes us to this last one is, it's a productive heart. And he says, when the seed is sown in good ground, it'll produce 30, 60, 100-fold return. And of course, Psalms chapter 1, we see the story there of the tree that gets planted by the rivers of water that prospers, that brings forth its fruit in its season. We're going to talk about that next week. That brings forth its fruit in its season. What is that? That's a heart that is flexible. That's a heart that is, that is uh, receptive. That's a heart that is obedient. That's a, heart, that's a good heart. Come on, we, we, we do that. Man, they got the heart of a champion. Well, what is that? Say, so we use those kind of words about heart. And a productive heart is one that is willing to hear and obey God. How do we get that? Listen, we have to condition ourselves. I pray over my life, Lord, grant me an obedient spirit. And then I get tested. Come on. Don't think that you're going to pray a prayer and then it not get tested. And, and, and it always starts small things. Sometimes we're thinking, okay, it's got to be some big thing. No, it starts with small things. Can you share your faith with that person that you really rather not see go to heaven? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, Lord, just don't put my mansion next door to theirs, please. <laughs> Better watch it. <laughs> you get your love checked. <laughs> but do you have a loving heart? Do you have, where, where's your heart? And see, and I believe that we need to make sure that we are in his presence, that we are, we are conditioned to receive that when we know truth is being spoken, we may not understand it. It may completely rub us wrong, but we'll, we're willing to say, God, I believe. I believe. It's your word. I believe. Don't fall into the trap that, that the disciples and so many of us have. But your heart needs to be conditioned. And I want to encourage you to press in. You know, our worship, man, what an incredible time this morning. I so miss that corporate worship and just that experience and wow but you need to also know I, I do that at home I do that in my car when I went through Starbucks this morning my radio was up enough that I'm hoping that all of them got it too <laughs> where's your heart let's stand to our feet we're gonna we're gonna we're moving back into a real similar time and so we're going to have people that will be here to pray with you. They'll be in masks and, and uh, working to, to, to um, um, care for you in that way. But this altar is going to be open. Some of you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Don't walk out of here not knowing. He made it so simple for us to be born again, to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. 
and you can experience the wonders of, of his love personally. Makes the difference.